0: Guys, welcome back to Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast. With me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another fantastic day for an interview. I love it because today I've got another man, a man we men rule. Yes! And, and I need to say that because most of my guests are female. And my two sons are already saying, God, another girl. No, bring on some men. <laughs> and, I, and I said, I try, but so many of us don't get our, our shit together. And, and we lift that stone. I'm a man. I don't need to talk about emotions and bullshit like that. And it's, oh. And so therefore I so cherish guests uh, with a Y chromosome and Kip Brooks is a man and, and let's celebrate our Y chromosome today uh, because we men are special. We men are 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 gorgeous beings, completely vulnerable, uh, yet we try to have these bloody masks in front of us and these societal expectations that put us into corners where, yeah, we sort of, languish and we sort of often not grow. And it is men like Kip who basically uh, rattle the foundations of so many men out there and and is, is helping others to make sense of what's going on and to see how the, up, the subconscious mind is really is really driving us. The subconscious mind is that weird thing that is that is even below the emotions. So our actions are driven by our emotions, but what is actually causing the emotions? Our core beliefs and our subconscious there, and that's really where the magic happens. That's where we're going to dive into today. So, Kip, thank you so much for coming onto my show.
1: Oh, absolutely! I'm so glad we finally made it happen like it's <laughs> been <Yeah. might> <laughs> almost the whole year <laughs> has been trying to get this to uh, come together and I'm so <laughs> it's it just uh, I have complete faith it's you know timing the uh, divine timing of when it was supposed <laughs> to happen
0: so. well exactly exactly right and and I strongly believe that that really everything happens for a reason yeah. and that's the same with, with trauma that's the same with uh, the t- so timing, timing, it happens when the time is right. So that's the same with trauma, with you seeking help. 95% of, of alcoholics will tell you there's absolutely nothing wrong with me. And you can throw the best program at them and say, no, I'm not an alcoholic. Go away. with a bottle of vodka a day. But they're not ready. Um, so when the time is right, then magic can happen. So, Kip, uh, how did it all start with you? When you were a young boy, did you want to become a coach? I want to become a mentor of coaches and and guide them and and kick ass and make this world a bit of a better place, mummy.
1: Yeah, not even a little bit. Um, (laughs) No, mine, uh, my story, you know, I I see posts on Facebook a lot where it's like, oh, what did you want to be when you were a kid? And I'll get tagged in them sometimes. I'm like, and for a long time I hid from answering them, but now I do, but uh, because my answer is actually really dark for people because the only goal I ever set when I was a kid was, you know, I wanted to, I was, I had my first suicidal thoughts when I was eight years old. And, uh, and I stayed in that mindset all through my teenage years and even kind of into my twenties some. And then, uh, but luckily my senior year of high school, there was a, a teacher who, Decided to see me for something other than my transcripts and had a conversation with me and it planted a seed and did what they call in psychology and neuroscience, a pattern interrupt and um, and that literally saved my life because I was planning on ending my life, actually, after high school. I'd only even stayed around that long because I had a younger sister that I felt like I, w- I was supposed to protect uh, and until she was old enough to, you know, strong enough to survive without me. and. Um, Yeah, that, you know, that led me through my teenage years. I started drinking when I was 15. I I kept bottles of liquor and various alcohols stashed around the house and yard that I would take shots every night just to go to sleep, you know, just try to calm the negative voices in my head Mm. and started taking prescription pills when I was 16, 15 or 16, like right at that cusp. And then uh, that led into just worse stuff as I got older, but then finally started turning it all around. And then. You know, it's, a, it's uh, it kind of woke up in my mid twenties, and I was like, you know, maybe I should try thinking a little different because this isn't working. And then uh, I did, and you know, things started getting better and better. And then I found out I was going to be a parent first time, and that terrified me to uh to a point because I was just like, I had this awakening of realizing I, was like, I have no idea how to be a man. I have no idea how to be a parent a father I, was like, I didn't have a positive male role model growing up at all and um it's like what do i do and then i found out it was going to be a boy and i was like i've really got to learn how to be a man here because i don't want to dress him out of the baggage i'm still carrying and that led me on this just i was already looking into personal development something but that really fueled the fire and turned it into more than a passion it's an obsession and it started there, but I never even, it took me years to think about doing coaching because I was just trying to fix myself. So I could hopefully, hopefully not screw him up too much. And then, you know, people start seeing the, uh, people who'd been around me started seeing the improvements in my life and started asking what I was doing. And then started asking me to coach, mentor them. And, Mm -hmm. and the rest as they say, is history after that, Mm -hmm. you know, it just kept growing and growing from there. And it's been a magical ride, but, uh, one i'm really grateful for but you know had a lot of dark moments but now you know can't see the stars without the it's not for the darkness so.
0: <laughs> and that's that's so true isn't it that's so true many of my guests say exactly the same if i asked them at the end of the show you know would you go back and if you had a time machine and you could change things in the past what would you change and most of them say nothing because without that darkness, I would have not been the person that I am now. That I've, this would have not, the, 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 the pressure that is causing the diamond to, to become. And in it, it is those dark, the dark moments that we all hate when they are there. And sometimes they break us. Uh, most of the times most of the people that I meet nowadays they make us these dark moments Mm. and that is so beautiful did you let's let's accept for the moment that there were these dark dark thoughts there for you at a very early stage what did the alcohol do you were saying it allowed you to calm down can you remember the feelings that you had when you were drinking
1: yeah, there was, um, I had, for a long time, I wouldn't I, I stop looking in mirrors and things because every time I walked by, it was just, there was these, you know, this voice in my head sounded very familiar, <laughs> but um, just, you know, I hate you, you're, you know, you're worthless, all this stuff, just replaying all this stuff they've been playing. And at night, when I would you know, lay down to go to sleep, it, it would just continue and, I would almost start thinking I was you know, schizophrenic or something and just felt like I was losing my mind constantly. So for me, the, the alcohol just helped calm all that down and get it to relax enough. And, um, and luckily I never, I mean, I overdid it in being a 14, 15, 16 year old kid, you know, taking anything like that, but luckily it never did too much. Cause also uh, every male on my dad's side of the family were at least alcoholics if not other things and you know i had one uncle who uh, they had an intervention for him so many times but he would drink shoe polish because it had alcohol in it, and that's you know that's how addicted he was and um when he died at 82 was like oh my god i can't believe he's gone i was like i can't believe he lasted that long like he, when you start drinking shoe polish you're on borrowed time but um but that's that's what i grew up around i never saw my dad once he died when i was uh, just a couple months before i turned 16 i never once saw him drink anything that wasn't straight liquor except coffee but he would add vodka or whiskey to it something like that um but everything else was always just liquor moonshine something like that and uh beer and wine weren't strong enough for him but so i grew up in that all the time but i always had it, you know, it was this uh, part of the torment was wanting that love and acceptance from the people in my life and the family members and things, especially, you know, every young boy dad is, is his hero, regardless of how good they are at that, at that role. And, but still there was also, so there was that part of wanting to model him, but then there was also this other side that um getting this huge contradiction, made me feel like I almost had, you know, um, multiple personalities or something, because it was a complete opposite of that because it also, there was the rejection because I knew where so much pain was coming from and all of that. So I had this battle for a very long time. And as I got older, it actually started turning into this thing. It's like, I'm going to show, I can go heavier and harder than he could and still walk away from it when I want. And it, so it became very dangerous <laughs> later in my teen years, but when it started out, I was like, I was so scared of, cause my mom was actually the opposite. She didn't drink, she didn't smoke, she didn't do drugs. I actually hated everybody who did that stuff, but would never leave my dad. (laughs) And and so they were always fighting constantly. I don't don't ever remember seeing them in a moment that I felt like love was present. And um, so there was also that conflict. So there was just, there was so much that was just constantly around. And I would, um, you know, so she had me afraid of being a raging alcoholic and uh but at the same time i'm trying to do something that was the only thing i knew to relax and calm down and and Mm. it helped me be able to just take a breath and uh, um and yeah just turn those voices Mm. down turn the volume down get them to hush a little bit then they would kind of go to sleep at least most of them and then sooner or later i would go to sleep Mm. and then uh i say it kept compounding after that because i i always had this Drive to find a cure, you know, so to speak, a, an answer to what was going on. There was, I could never explain it, and a lot of times it tormented me because I didn't know if there was one. And um, but I remember, I was fourteen, and I'd reached a point where I was like, I, "I've had enough." And I was actually, I was holding a gun to my head, and I was squeezing the trigger, and something clicked. But it luckily wasn't the trigger of the gun or anything it was something inside. And it was this moment where I get really enraged with just anger. It it hurt so much. It angered me that anyone could ever feel like that, especially someone as young as I was. It's just, it doesn't make sense to me that there's all these people going around being really happy. And then some of us are just always upset or pissed off or sad. I was like, that doesn't make sense. You know, not, and, and it just didn't feel right. So it's like, I mean, and I made a promise and I was like, if I ever find a way out of this, I will spend the rest of my life helping others do the same in whatever way I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wish I could say the next morning I woke up and it was like, you know, <laughs> Scrooge <laughs> in the Christmas Carol where I am just uh, like making it rain out the window and just got uh, joy. Uh, uh, I was 14 and I was still in the same environment. I didn't know what to do, where to go. Uh, and so in a lot of ways, it actually got darker before it got lighter because I had this idea that something better could be there, but I had no idea where to get, get it from. And, you know, it almost got more hopeless sometimes, but but I started learning how to use that anger as a fuel to move forward and it. And it helped me survive, it, you know, uh, I had a lot of anger issues in my adult years that I had to learn how to heal mm-hmm. and correct and um, get away from, cause it got me in a lot of trouble as well. Cause I mm-hmm. I, I didn't know, I didn't know an emotion besides anger. Um, and it became very addictive because, you know, we, we mm. feel empowered when we're angry, right? Mm. Pain drops down, like physically, mentally, emotionally. Mm. And um, so I went, I, went, I got very explosive for a long time. But, mm. um, uh, and that actually became an addiction for a long time. That actually kept me from going too far, I think, with a lot of substances. Because it was an adrenaline rush. It was like, you know, I stayed away. Um like, all my friends were smoking marijuana in middle school even, but high school and later. And I never did because I was like, no, nah, I like to be sharp. I like to be up. Now I got into other things that would <laughs> synthetically do that. But um, but it was that it made, it made But I was so addicted to that rush I would get from the anger. Um, but let's say it now... It, it got me in a lot of trouble, but now looking back, it's like, you know, it was a survival thing, and that's all I knew at the time, and we're all doing the best with the resources we have available, you know, once we know better, we'll do better, but um, it, uh, there were some, yeah, some scary moments, you know, I was, I was facing prison time a couple of times, and all because of that temper, and all because of the stuff I was into, and um, luckily, finally enough, of you know, I started facing that enough that I was finally like maybe I'll turn around and see what's over there and start facing the other way cuz this is this is ugly over here but yeah.
0: did you find did you find ways of 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 letting your anger out um I was assaulted when I was 13 um by a gang 13 14 mm-hmm. um and ended up pretty beaten up and um ended up Uh, testifying against the gang leader and put him uh, in in, in jail basically but he swore he would kill me so I started I mean my bruises hadn't properly healed um, uh, when I started training martial arts and in in Germany at the time we were able or you were able to to join the police and law enforcement agencies um, in their training So in there, they had sports clubs, so to speak, but they trained Jiu-Jitsu and and, and, uh, martial arts basically. And that's what I did. And I became well, yeah, maybe maybe not surprisingly. I just trained a little bit, only about four hours a day. Um, basically, <laughs> it became this this, uh-huh. from, from a, a punchy little teenager, I became this lean, mean fighting machine. But as you said, anger, uh, I had not dealt with the trauma. There was PTSD with hindsight there. Um, I was very angry. I was very dark time. But I channeled this dark time into a... Uh, hyper awareness and a a body that could deal with any surprise attack with anything like that. Did you go down that route? Was there boxing, uh, wrestling at your school? Did you get attracted to those kind of things?
1: Yeah, actually, I say I love you know uh, Bruce Lee. Ever since I can remember, hmm. he he was my first hero outside of you know. I'm, I'm guessing my dad was when I was a little taller, but I remember being four or five and ah. just obsessed with his movies and reading any book about him I could get and I took um to martial arts for a little while when I was a kid but then my parents would take me out of it and they were like it's too much trouble to get you there it's too expensive you know whatever and then hmm. um then I got into sports at school a little bit but then it ended up being the same story so it kept I'd find these positive outlets and I was I was actually I don't know if I was ever any like superstar level but um I got you know I played soccer or you know Football, uh mm. you, the rest of the world knows <laughs> it besides us, and um, uh, I was no Cristiano, you know Ronaldo, probably or anything, but I was good enough to like, always be on the team or whatever, and um, and had some promise, and I would love it, but then I'd get pulled away from it, so it's like I would get this tease of something positive in my life, and then we get taken away, and so that started getting worse, and you know my my dad was. Uh, very physical in his discipline, we'll say. And um, so like that taste of martial arts and all that started pouring out into, I would just pick fights with people mm. left and right. And some of it was trying to get that um, get that aggression out, trying to do something with this energy that I had no idea what it was. I didn't mm. understand it. Um, but then also part of it was, well, that was the only way I, I knew love. Like my dad one time, mm. Uh, there was two times in my life I ever remember him looking at me with like a pride in, in his presence, you know, a pride in his eye and he would smile and uh, first time was he saw me beat up one of the neighborhood kids. And after that, I was like, okay, that's, that's how I get it. That's how I get love and acceptance. Mm -hmm. So as soon as somebody would say something false to me, I would just throw a punch. I wouldn't even say anything, but that's what had happened to me. And I I didn't Mm -hmm. know anybody, you know, nine 10 years old just walking around just throwing punches at people and then finally I started <laughs> figuring out well I'm losing friends because I'm, I'm yeah, losing no shit Sherlock <laughs> it's like and that's how I feel good in a moment but it's like I turn around and my dad's not there and then I get in trouble when my mom hears about it and then and then she would fuss at him and so then I'd get in trouble from him so I'm like what I you know it was just so much confusion hmm. but um uh but as I got into adult years, like, a, you know, a, a box for quite a while, did done so many martial arts and I love it. My kids have been in it. I train them. Uh, we play around quite a bit. We do a, I do a men's circle. I have three boys. So I do a men's tribal council every week with them. And we get together and I teach them about how to be a healthy, masculine man in today's world. of cool. what everybody says out there and it's like, you know, how to process your emotions, how to understand them, how to understand yourself. And then we throw in, like, train some Krav Maga one day or some boxing techniques and yes. different things and yes. you know, teach them how to defend themselves, their tribe, whatever. And, uh-huh. um, and, yeah, that once I was finally able to get to a point where I could stay in it consistently, that that healed so much. But, um, yeah, it took me a uh, – let's see. The, growing up, I think that would have saved me tremendously if I would have been able to stay in it. And, mm. um, but also, like – where i lived it was to get it was a real small town and there was one martial arts studio and it was like 12 miles away and it's like i can't walk there you mm-hmm. know it's like uh mm-hmm. it may be maybe 10 miles but either way i mm-hmm. can't walk there i'm nine years old 10 years old whatever sure. but also my parents ran a ran a business and so they were out of the house all the time and i was taking care of my sister who was uh she was born when i was like seven and a half and so I was left home alone with her, or I was taking it at work because I was, you know, pumping gas and washing windows when I was four or five years old. And so I never was really given that time to actually be like a kid, like my friends were. Um, and then uh so yeah, it was would have these brief little moments. Mm-hmm. And I, but I think looking back, and especially now as we're talking about it, it's like I would they would plant a seed at least that hey, there is. Something mm. better out there. I just got to figure out how to get to it mm. and not get pulled at it, not let it get yanked away. And mm. uh, and that's served me very well as an adult. So I, <laughs> I live by the mm. ask forgiveness, not permission type rule. And it's like I see something, I'm going to go after it if if I really want it. And uh, mm. and I get a hold of it. My wife and friends always make mm. fun of something you're a bull in a china shop when you decide you want something like it doesn't have to be pretty but i'm getting to that goal you know Uh, but that's um, that's us being a survivor
0: that's what the survivor does you 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 put automatically those kind of things come down to the subconscious level at the same level as i need air i need oxygen i need food i need that woman i need that and you come you, literally. That drive is there, and that is powerful. And I recognize it nowadays. And from now on, then I actually bring that guy out of the cupboard on purpose—or uh, not on purpose. Well, there are circumstances like this year. There was there was one circumstance where, like it or lump it, I ended up in a really dark place due to circumstances around me, and suddenly there was this ice cold sensation there. And I knew the old guy was back and it was the, it was ice cold survivor. Okay. What do I need to do right now to survive that? And for the next several days to three weeks, I was in that pure survivor mode. Nothing else mattered. What do I have to do? Complete selfish, complete. And it was beautiful. There was actually a clarity in my mind yeah. that was scary. I was scary. I was scared of myself. But it was good to see that that dude is in there, that this guy is in there, and that I can unleash him if the need is there. I had not seen him for quite some time. but And when he came out, yeah, he scared me. But uh, he scared me because he was so cold and ruthless. Yeah. And but he allowed me to survive, and then I went. Come on, let's go back. Look, there's a nice, nice cupboard over there. Go in there. Yes, you can do it. And then padlock, 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 padlock.
1: let <laughs> so, you out again one day. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. That's all right. We play in
0: another twenty years again.
1: There's a oh, there's a quote that I love, and I I, I can't remember it all, but I, yeah. the idea of it is, it's like you know, um, a um, a weak man is. Or, uh, a timid man is, you know, not to be respected. It's like a dangerous man who knows when it's time to be dangerous, but keeps it controlled the rest of the time. It's like mm. that's a true leader. That's the man. It's like we need that because we live in a crazy world. I wish it was all sunshine and rainbows and butterflies mm. all the time, but it's not. And it's you know, there's times where yeah, you know, we've got to step in. It. Either it's a self protection because mm. we're being assaulted, we're being attacked, or someone we mm. love is, or mm. or even a stranger we don't know. It's just being attacked by someone, and they need you know. People that have that ability to go in ourselves and get to that dark place—it's like that's needed at times. Mm. Being able to control it and guide it—that's the—that's uh, the superpower. And you know, mm. um, uh, Timothy Timothy S. Grover—he's uh, written two books actually. Now his second one just came out this year, but he, uh, his first one was called *Relentless*. And he was Michael Jordan's personal trainer, mm. and. Um, when Michael Jordan wanted to get to the next level and be the best of the best and started training with Timothy Grover and Grover talks about it. And he's like, everybody who's anybody has a dark side. He's like, the ones who reach the levels of greatness. He's like, you know, the Jordans, the Kobe Bryants, the, the Steve Jobs of the world. He's like, they learn how to use their dark side for good and for the purpose. He's like, they lit it out. They're not ashamed of it. He's like, they're unapologetic about it. Because they know everybody's got it and they let it out to play. They feed the beast. He said, mm-hmm. like they don't let it run wild. They give it just enough to at leash to have some fun and then bring mm-hmm. it back. Mm-hmm. He said, like, you know, with Jordan, it was uh, things like his gambling. He said, like, you know, Tiger Woods turned out to be women. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he goes through a couple of <laughs> different examples, but yeah. it, it really helped me understand because I you tell I'm like, you know, I, I don't want to completely get rid of that part of myself was because it has pulled me through so much. You know, I had a daughter who would have been 11 in August, but she passed away shortly after birth. It's like, there were times I had to step back into that guy just to keep providing for the family that was still here. I couldn't, we weren't in a place where I could take weeks off to mourn. I was, she passed away on a Saturday. I was back to work on Wednesday. I had a business to run. I had to be there. And without me would have fallen apart. I had a, a couple of employees I had to take care of. And it was like, I had to be able to step into that and push through. And also from the time we got her diagnosis, like there were so many times I needed that guy to get me through because the guy that's right here wasn't on the surface, wasn't going to make it happen. Just didn't have it. Right. You know? And, um, so there yeah, I have like, and I think that's where so many people run into a problem where it runs away, um, is not being able to accept that because we've been told, especially with men, you know, the, uh, it's, it's, i love the way you opened this up with it being us men um because so few men are actually brave enough to really face the fact that we have emotions we're emotional creatures too like, <laughs> and uh, i like you only yep. think it's sissy thing because you're scared of it like, because <laughs> it takes a lot of guts to be vulnerable and step into it. it took me a long time to figure it out but um but yeah it's uh when it runs away it's because we've tried to encapsulate it too much and keep a lid on it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like holding a beach ball under the surface of the water. So you can only push <laughs> it down so far. Sooner <laughs> or later it's going to come out. Uh, so it's like if you guide it up and let it out, it's all under control. But uh, if you just let it go crazy, you know, there's no uh, time where it's going to go. And it's this it. thing. You know, we mm-hmm. so it's like embrace it. It's there for a reason. You know, we all have it. It's it's part mm-hmm. of that um because you know, if you're the nice guy all the time and and mm-hmm. completely keep the dark side of yourself's head aside back mm-hmm. in the caveman days those are the ancestors that aren't ancestors because they got eaten <laughs> because when the saber-toothed tiger came out or the weather got bad or whatever mm-hmm. they didn't have the power to push through mm-hmm. and you know that's that being able to tap into that strength i mean it's mm-hmm. we're amazingly designed we just haven't learned how to use you know our human potential and understand that we have all the, there's no such thing as a negative emotion. There's mm-hmm. really not. The, the Pixar movie um, Inside Out, I love it because it showed like, hey, there's times we need anger. There's times we need mm-hmm. sadness. Like it serves a purpose. And there's uh, For a long time, I was an atheist. There was a long period of my life where I absolutely hated. I believed in a higher power only so I had someone to hate more than I did myself, you know. And, uh, and I did. Oh my lord. Woo man, it got, it got nasty there for a while. And now it's like, man, there the more I learn about um how you know human behavior and human design and everything else and look at the way the world is, it's like it really is too perfectly run to not have something else out there. I don't know what it is. And you know, um it's like maybe um maybe the theologians are right and there's magical person sitting on a cloud or you know the um or it's the the atheists and the you know just believe it's uh, everything's just there's an energy source it's like no matter who you talk to theologians call it god source something like that um mm-hmm. the scientific crowd that absolutely doesn't believe in a spiritual power they call it energy That's it. But they all define it as the exact same thing. I don't know what it is, but I know it's there and and whatever it is, it's a lot more powerful than me. And I feel like when we're tapping into that, that's just a piece Mm. of it. You know, um, Mm. um, Einstein talked about a lot of times Edison did Mm. so many did, but I remember Einstein, I think he called it the super conscious. He was like, there's nothing special about me. He's like, I've just figured out how to tap into one channel, one frequency. And he's like, Mm. and that's, where the ideas come from and mm-hmm. you know, it was um, athletes tap into it in mm-hmm. a physical sense. It's like, there's, there's all these channels. And if we figure out just like a radio, we turn, tune the frequency in just like a zoom channel link. It's like, we get the frequency, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And boom. I'm talking to Stephanie, you know, yep. it's like I can put in another one and I'm talking to my mom, you know, it's, it's the same thing. And it's um, there's so much magic and just beauty in existence you know and you know a lot of people call it the law of attraction i don't know if that actually works or not but I, I know that when i think more positive i look i find more positive solutions and whether i'm attracting them to me or i'm just programming my internal radar to seek them out i don't know and i really don't care as so I end up in a positive destination hmm. i don't care how i get there i don't care if it's uh Purple and yellow polka dotted
0: ants and elves that get me there. You know, know, I've smoked that too. No, no, I've smoked that too. It doesn't end well. These no, no, the the ants—they do funny things. No, 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 Um, no. No,
1: I'm I'm making three puffs before that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. No, 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 no. uh, uh, Having said that, I mean, uh, it's uh, if you just compare Pixar nowadays, which has actually lovely messages there, and you compare sort of the '60s when you had. um, what was it? Oh, there were some some bad Walt Disney films. When you look at them oh, now, okay. and you see the elephants dancing in the sky, yeah. and you think, what have these boys been on? What do they take?
1: Oh man! <laughs> I watched, you know, I started pulling out some of the classics, you know, when my kids got to yeah. certain ages, and I was like, oh, this is such an amazing movie. And then we'd start watching. Them like, no wonder we were traumatized. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <It was horrible. laughs> No, but horrific. there you exactly but there you are that was
0: we we can't however judge what is nowadays the insights that we have nowadays we can't use that to judge back past generations and i loved it how you said it you were actually very cautious with your choices um how you described your dad and and your relatives etc um and you quite wisely said they did the best what they could with their belief systems with their knowledge with their things and that sometimes that sometimes that's something we sometimes forget. And I think that's that's oh, yeah. the one thing that I really uh that really came to, to me sort of whilst you were talking there. Um you, you said just something really, really good. Uh and for a moment there were there were several thoughts going. Dum, 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 dum. And I, I, ch- I chased one and I forgot the other really important one. What were you just saying just prior to that? Uh, just prior to me talking about Pixar? Um, we're talking about men and... Fuck! This this was such a beautiful uh, line of questioning that appeared in front of me and i blown a fuse. Bing! <laughs> so um okay where do we want to go yes where do we want to go tap sorry you were a few t- i'm saying tapping into getting to etc so and i uh, and my the point that i'm now we weaving our way back to is us actually taking action and actually creating a path finding those frequencies getting to the change that you want to okay so let's work from that so five seconds that I know where to cut. <laughs> you said it so well, a few times in the in the recent sentences where you said tapping into the right frequency and and trying to actually uh, find those channels. Uh, where there is the sound, but uh, there's a good sound coming out, because we equally can tap into all kinds of other channels. Where you find back the old anger, where you found back the, the all these these maybe not so nice versions of yourself. Um, and I find it always amazing that that there are actually ways you can literally swing the dial around. How did you, the first time, realize that you had the power? To change yourself? What, when you look back, were there catalysts? Because you were this angry young man, this angry guy who was rather talking with his fists rather than talking with his mouth. And there were many good reasons that you did that. But when, when was the first time, with hindsight, when was the first time that you could actually say, wow, I dealt with that differently? Can you remember that? Ah.
1: The th- The time that comes up is not at all the first time. It's the most profound for me. And so there was, I said, there was, I was planning on ending my life after, after I graduated high school. And the reason why I was waiting to that point was, you know, my dad had passed away. I'll put this all in a quick nutshell, best I can. Um, my dad had passed away when I was 15. So, uh, my mom was getting Social Security money, you know, for him being gone. For uh, she was getting a small check for me and a small check to cover expenses with my sister, you know, help out with having kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it would go until um, turn nineteen or graduated high school, whichever one came first. But I was originally supposed to graduate high school at seventeen, just because of where my birthday fell. So my mom actually asked me to repeat twelfth grade because she's like you'll still get out right before you turn 19. She's like, so I can get another year of this check, you know, starved, hoping, okay, now I'll finally have value to the family. I'll be accepted. I'll get love for this. So I agreed to, and it's, you know, it's funny how this magical man on a cloud or this, you know, just ether of energy around us works because that in turn is what saved my life. That lined up so many things so perfectly. I ended up, um, I was in it was called world history class and it was my third time in it. i had failed it uh, in in 10th grade I'd failed it again in 11th grade and then here I was taking it again to um uh just needing half a or half a year uh, one semester credit for it and that's all I needed to graduate. And I'm just going but you know I wasn't doing anything in the class cuz it's just like June 8th, my life's over. It doesn't matter if I get a diploma or not, who cares? And I had this brand new teacher. It was his second year teaching, first year of my school. And they dumped him in world history. He was a, he was a soccer coach or football coaches, you know, Um, which is neat on its own because that's the one sport my parents would let me play. I had to sneak to play others. And so it's neat how <laughs> soccer has been present in my life a couple of times. And so this guy, Coach Cotteron, comes in. Everybody's kind of making fun of him because he didn't look like much younger, know, much older than us. You know, he, he, he looked like he just graduated high school himself. And <laughs> he, um, we didn't say each other a word to each other the whole first semester. Finally, about two weeks into the second semester, <clears throat> he comes to me and or tells me he's like, "I need you to wait after class." And um, you know, he was so new to the school, he had he had seven classes. And he was in a different classroom each time. They had never assigned him his own room. So, you know, everybody started laughing and making jokes like, wow, you're in a lot of trouble because he's gonna be late to his next class. So he can beat your behind, or you know, whatever. And um, I knew what was coming. I'd had these, <clears throat> I'd had these meetings with so many teachers before where they tell me, Why don't you just drop out? You're a waste of time, you're lost cause. Get out of my class. You know, you just you make it suck for everybody else here, basically. So I knew it was coming. I was like, "All right, bring it on." And uh, you know, he's the one that hasn't had that meeting with me. I guess it's time. You know, we've been around each other for several months now. So I'm just sitting there. I was looking down at my desk, and he walks right up to me, and I never looked at him. And he's like, "You know, I don't know anything about you." He's like, "Besides, you know what it says on these papers." And I knew what they were. They were my transcripts. I'd seen them many times. And he's like. I don't know you. I don't know what's going on inside your head. He's like, I don't know a thing about your life outside this classroom. He's gonna do know one thing. He's like this, and he slaps it down on the desk in front of me and starts slapping his hand on it. He goes, this is not who you are. And I'm not going to accept this behavior from you anymore. And I'm not gonna allow you to accept it from yourself. And he's like, you're going to graduate this year and you're gonna pass this class. We're gonna figure out how to make that happen. And that's all he said. It took him probably 20 seconds and i was just <laughs> dumbfounded and i just sat there deer in the headlights you know fight or flight and it was just like freeze is what i was doing because it, it was let's say it's what, uh, what what neuroscience calls a pattern interrupt because i never no one had ever seen me for anything but the transcripts you know i went from straight a's to d's and f's the very next year no one ever questioned it i just started getting punished and reprimanded, <sighs> and um so he was the first one that's actually seen through all that and realized, and there's something else going on. This is not it. This is an external beautiful. You know, this is just an event. This beautiful. is a result of something deeper. Yeah. And so then I just sat there and I was like, I didn't know what to do. And he's like, That's all I got to say for today. He's like, You can go whenever you want. And I bolted out of that room like you saying bolt. <laughs> I was so uncomfortable. I didn't. I didn't have a clue what happened, but. Later on in life, I was sitting around and um, I remember the exact moment when it really hit me and really, really sank in what he did. I was playing with my whew, <laughs> I get a little emotional on this one. Um, I was playing with my son, he was just a couple months old, and I'd been on a business trip for a little while, and I was back and I was just having a good time with him, and I was sitting in the house. That I was, I paid for all on my own. I was a big boy, you know? and uh, I've got the kid, and like I had, I was making a good living, was, like all this stuff. And I was just like, wow, you know, I found myself in this place of gratitude I'd never experienced before, and it just it's like I'm not supposed to be here. Like, not only am I not supposed to, statistically, not supposed to have any of this stuff. I'm supposed to be in prison or dead or something. But like, I had planned, I dreamed every night before I went to sleep for almost a decade when I was going to finally end my life and get rid of this pain and get the hell out of here. I was like, and here I am. And I actually enjoy waking up in the morning and living life. I was like, <laughs> this isn't me. Uh-huh. And so I started wondering, I was like, what the world happened? Like, how did things shift so much? Uh-huh. And I traced it back to that very moment. Something that I had forgotten about for years. almost as quick as it happened, Once I got out of high school, I never thought about Coach Caterone again. I got as far away from school and everybody around it as I could because I was still, you know, I was lost, confused, scared of the world, you know, all this. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was like that day came that I was supposed to end my life and then it passed. And then another day came and another day came until I got to that moment. I was like, whoa, you know, it was, you know, like, um, like climbing Mount Everest or something. So you do it one step at a time. And then also you look back and realize how far you made it. It doesn't matter how far you got to go. It's like, look how far mm-hmm. I made it. It's like, mm-hmm. damn, if I can do all that, mm-hmm. I got the rest of this, you know? And it was, and that's when it, I say that was definitely not the first time, but that was like the first time it took my breath away and still does. Whenever I think about it now, it's like, man, if he could do that in 20 seconds. And that's really part of what really fueled me in, in starting to study human behavior and neuroscience and everything, because he didn't say anything special. He wasn't a hypnotist or a a magician or, you know, like Mm -hmm. David Copperfield or Mm -hmm. Dr. Milton Erickson or any of these other people. It's like, Mm -hmm. he he was a soccer coach, you know? He Mm -hmm. was just, he was a world history teacher. I actually taught, like, three different subjects just because they were throwing him around wherever. They needed a soccer coach. That's why they brought him in. And he just had to feel, uh, you know, course hours or whatever. And um, so he was... he taught the class almost like he was a substitute teacher, but I mean, he dedicated himself to it, but it was like, he didn't say anything special. So I wanted to figure out what was that. And it was, he just, like I say, created a pattern interrupt, planted a Mm -hmm. seed that in me, that just made me realize I was like, shit, something else can be done different. And I'm Mm -hmm. the one who makes the choice. It's like Mm -hmm. I make the choice to get dressed every day. I make the choice to actually get out of bed. I make the Mm -hmm. choice to, you know, look both ways before crossing the street instead of just stepping out front and a bus hit me or just sit on the sidewalk and hope mm-hmm. somebody carries me across. You know, it's like mm-hmm. every step physically and literally we take, it's like, I choose to take that step. It's like, okay, well, maybe I can start looking at other steps to take, you know, maybe I can walk sideways, maybe I'll walk backwards. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, that really looks like just uh, to this day, it fascinates me so much. Like one of the Mm -hmm. key things i do with clients and also with my mentorship students is teaching them pattern interrupt I'm like if you Mm -hmm. can master that Mm -hmm. that's really all you need you can literally save someone's life just that's it i mean we hear about it all the time like Mm -hmm. i used to live in the bay area in california and you know there's the golden gate bridge there and one of the number one places in the united states that people go to end their life Mm -hmm. and i've met a lot of people who work um For a nonprofit or volunteer, they just go and hang out there trying to save people. And all they do is greet people as they walk by. And then they look, and if they see someone who looks a little down, they'll go and talk to them. But they have so many survivor stories and so many volunteers Mm -hmm. who volunteered to do this were like, I was coming here to end my life. And then Mm -hmm. someone just said good morning to me and Wade, and he just, you know, I'm getting ready. I see the spot on the rail where Mm -hmm. I'm going to climb over. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden somebody pattern interrupt." greeted me and said, hey, it's a lovely day today, or man, it's a great view, or whatever it was. And that was enough to make them realize, you know what, not everything is terrible. We just got to look around. And, you know, and uh, um, since we've talked about the subconscious mind, it was, it's, our conscious mind can only process 126 bits of information every single second. That's what's doing. Some people say 124, some say 128, but 126. Um, but our unconscious mind our subconscious mind is processing the low number I've heard is 4 million bits of information a second. I've heard as much as 140. (laughs) I don't know. But um, the discrepancy is nobody can agree on what a bit of information Uh is, but um, you take the two numbers, 126 bits versus Uh 4 million bits. Uh That's, that's a big difference. And it's two. It's a mega supercomputer versus a teeny tiny little old 1980s game boy thing. But um, if you take it, I've reached out to people who are way smarter at math and numbers than I am. Um, I'm really good with people numbers, not so much, but um, <laughs> I can order my combo from a restaurant, that's right <laughs> And I can count to, I can count to 10 with my toes and my fingers. but um, uh, if you take a bit of information, have it represented by a droplet of water, well that hundred or uh, that four million bits of information every second is 114 and a half gallons of water every single second. That's a pretty good waterfall. Mm-hmm. That 126 bits is 1.1 <clears throat> teaspoon. It's a bottle cap. So we've got, I mean, basically, it's you've got this 114-gallon waterfall of information going on around us every single second, and all we can get out mm-hmm. consciously and be aware of is mm-hmm. more than that. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of it is is we can decide where we put that bottle cap in at to get mm-hmm. that teaspoon. Mm. we can choose any part of that waterfall so the same mm. crap that's going on for me is going on for you it's mm. just who's tuned mm. into it the same stuff exactly. is there exactly that's why you know 50 people can go watch the same exact movie at the same exact time in the same mm. room together and give you 50 different reviews it's because mm. we've all programmed that teaspoon differently Absolutely. and once we're aware of that and we start realizing that it's like okay well i can start choosing where to dip that teaspoon in and just a couple of degrees over is going to be a totally different experience. Sometimes it's going to suck. Sometimes it's going to be really great. Mm. But The greatness is there. The good is always there. That's the law of polarity. It's, you know, science talks about it. everywhere in the universe, there's polarity. So if there's something shitty, there has to be something good. It's, <laughs> it's there somewhere. You just got to find it. And sometimes nice. it's so hard to find. You got to look mm. with a microscope, like the mm. Hubble telescope or something, but it's there. And mm. sooner or later but- it's going to come out.
0: No, uh, that's only there because you're closing your eyes this much despite the telescope, uh, and you're actually thinking, No, 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 they can't be there. And then, if something suddenly opens your eyes, you think, Fuck, it was there all the time. That is what I see again and again as a doctor. You have got people who are basically business, business, I'm a business, bim, bim. And then, by the way, you have got cancer or you have got a heart attack. And suddenly, or oh, you've got an injury in, in, a, in a fraction of a second, your shoulder is rearranged and you're in chronic pain and you need that surgery. And and whatever you were before does no longer matter. And talk about pattern interrupt. And suddenly, boom, people jump off the hamster wheel and get that kind of two by four in front of the, 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 the head and think, yeah. okay. And then the transformation happens, then people start to actually appreciate things that were there all the time, but they couldn't see because they were so preoccupied with other things. They had uh, dialed up the complete, well, the right frequency they believed was right for them i mean that's all the belief systems you know you go to university you, you do that or you start your business that's what your family did you take over here and you work 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 six in days that makes you a good man and then you come home and you can have a drink or two and that's okay uh and that's your day and we believe in it and it works for us, and that's that's how de- how I defined myself. Um, who are you? Well, I'm a pain physician. Uh, oh, cool! No, no, no. Who are you? I told you just I'm a pain physician. No, you know, I didn't understand the question. There was no me. I was completely dialed into that frequency, and uh, and I didn't know how to jump out of that role. Uh, I there was no life balance in in my life for a long time. And uh, I had to, to run into the wall and suffer the pain before I actually realized, huh. And then I didn't realize it myself. I was never so brainy. I'm not stupid, but I was certainly not brainy when it came to my own emotions. And certainly not because with my subconscious, hell, <laughs> it took a lot of discussions with people who were listening to what I said and listening to what I didn't say. To actually figure figure out and hold the mirror in front of my face, and I think that's the important bit, Kev. I mean, that's that's where you come in. It's all quite nice. We get we get glimpses of what is possible, and these kind of glimpses it it it's, it looks like you're driving down a dark dark road in in a, in a housing estate, and from now and then there's a little glimmer of light shining through some 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 windows, but you never really see it completely. That's how I went through my life for a long time. And then suddenly, actually something stopped my car. <laughs> and, and suddenly uh, there were people there who guided me closer to the window, opened the door for me and suddenly, ding, wow, there is light. I didn't know that. And that is the interesting <laughs> bit. So, and that's where where indeed coaches come in or psychologists come in. Um, it, your darkness out there, guys, is is normal. You are the reason that you're here, is because you're in a dark place. Otherwise, you wouldn't listen to to Kip and me rambling on about this this beautiful life that we are living nowadays. Um, obviously, there is something there that is that is that is gnawing at you. That is that is there is a pain there, and and I congratulate you for feeling that pain and for for understanding. Okay, it's time to change. And obviously, you're searching. Maybe subconsciously, you've been searching. You weren't really clear, but you are here, which means you have already taken action. You've already taken action to actually find this this uh, video or find this podcast, and which means you're ready to kick ass. And that's goosebumps. That's good. That's the same adrenaline that I get here, pulsing through my, my veins, literally, is that is what you should be feeling because you have taken that action. You went out there and made that happen. Can you imagine now that you actually find someone who maybe can guide you, who's a little bit further down the path and who has gone through some trials and has trialed a bit of that, has done a bit of that and figured, nah, that doesn't work. And suddenly has come up with something that actually worked for him and for many others. Can you imagine that that person holds you by the hand and, and, and that you probably find your way a bit quicker than if you just dabble and think, mm, I could try that. Yes. You could try to reinvent the wheel or you could actually try to see what are other people doing that are, massively successful in the way that you would like to be and in this case maybe dealing with your emotions dealing with your trauma dealing with the hard times in your life making sense out of things and letting letting that darkness be a fertile soil for for something new to blossom to come out and I have no idea what that new person would be like in your case. What I do know is there are several people in there that could grow out of that out of that fertile soil. I mean, I I have not reincarnation, reincarnated, that's the complete wrong word to use yet. I was reborn several times during my lifetime because I reinvented myself. I actually, after rehab, I was an empty shell. I was an empty canvas. I had no idea who I was. Uh, But I created that new me that I'm now proud of. And that was because I listened to others. Uh, I, I listened to people who were able to build me up uh, in the right way they were they were show me they were able to show me where I needed to put the work in they guided me they supported me when I thought nah I can't do that and that's so so it's uh, I had a beautiful beautiful succession of people who helped me in various stages on that path and that I'm, I'm forever grateful to those many people uh and and kip you're one of those people who is who is making himself available to to men out there to change and that is the the most beautiful beautiful thing so guys you don't need to be alone and and so if and Kip, you're a cool dude so if if people actually think hey yeah i, I that makes sense what he said um if people want to work more with you where can they find you
1: I'm on all the you know, normal platforms, um, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, mm. Mm. Uh, uh, even Twitter. But I am, I'm I'm not active on there at all. Mm. But um, yeah, dot uh, you know, com mm. slash uh, the real Kit Brooks. Um, yeah, feel free, reach out to me. Uh, or you can go to com. The uh
0: guys look down there into the description of the, the YouTube video and of the podcast. It's all down there. So, you know, get in touch with him. Uh, because ultimately, what have you got to lose? I mean, you, you come to the point that you feel, okay, it's time to change. And there's a myriad options. I mean, it's ultimately you're you're, you know but you know my maybe it might really be a good idea to to just do a discovery call or something like that to actually say hey look you know this is where i am in my life and then uh see where that that openness uh leads you sometimes it might be worthwhile because you're in a dark place To go maybe to your GP, to your general practitioner, your family doctor first and actually say, hey, look, you know, life is a bit strange at the moment because sometimes there are things there that have crept up on you. That make you feel really down and out. It can be something biological, something like like a chronic disease having uh, crept up on you. As a woman, you might have been bleeding from the gut or from from your uterus, etc. And your hemoglobin, the red color in your blood, is really low. Now that makes you feel like crap. That makes you feel depressed, no energy, etc. So uh, it is it is quite nice to, to not quite nice wrong. Um, It is really, really good to rule out anything biological happening in you that puts you in a really dark place or in a strange place. And once you have got your physical body checked out and you know there's nothing there that needs attention, and it's really my thought systems and and my belief systems that demand attention, then go all out. I think that would be sort of a, a, a sequence that I would do nowadays and i do continue to do that on on you know on a half yearly yearly basis because new things will happen sometimes you know you just need to listen to your body and and there might be actually some really good messages in there from your body most of the time the messages come from up there sometimes they come from down there from various parts so rule that out and then go out and don't accept the darkness the darkness is good as has pushed you into the place where you now want to take action. Now kick ass, and that is the ah! Oh, I'm 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 so pleased for you that you're at that level, that you're at that moment on your journey where you're ready, where you're ready to kick ass. Oh, ah. Oh write us back in in half a year's time where this journey led you and 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 uh and and share what what you have been up to because it's only it, it seems like it will seem like miracles to you but it is hopefully we have planted that seed today kip you're an amazing man you are you're a bringer of hope um you have gone through your own darkness and i'm so grateful that you were so transparent and honest and, and uh beautiful in your vulnerability. Um, many of the things that that we have spoken about would have been absolute taboos to talk about to the generation before us. Yet here we are, we have learned that shit uh, that <laughs> the putting it all in there and putting a lid on it, <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> so Kip, I'm very, very grateful.
1: Oh, absolutely. I'm so honored <laughs> to be a part of this. I love the work you're doing. I love the messages yeah. you're putting out there. Do it again anytime. I love hanging out with you.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much. And you guys out there, look after yourself. Stay strong. I believe in you. You can do it, guys. Go out there. Make this world a bit of a better place. But start working on your subconscious mind, because that's really where all the miracles truly happen. Look after yourself. Bye.